that was actually probably one of Josh's best mid-range throws ever because I thought he was going to launch it over you, yeah. but he dropped it in the bucket. It was a, He took the long stride step and just floated it out there. Yep, that was good shit. All right, so uh, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Semi-pro. Brought Inside to the you. locker room. I'm Coach Casey, and I'm here with my uh, co-host, Damo Davis. Basically, the gist of this is, is that we want to try to bring awareness to semi-pro football, not just you know, the, the lifestyle, but what it takes, you know, the, the, the types of individuals that you'll find in semi-pro, you know, they're just your average Joes. They might be phenomenal athletes, but because of uh, what the job entails, like they still have to have full-time jobs. They still have to be a guy who punches a clock and there's no money we'll in it. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, so we want to basically just expose a new audience to semi-pro and, you know, talk about kind of the, the ups and the downs and the underbelly and whatnot. With that, we'd actually like to invite our first guest onto the podcast. He's our former quarterback, Joshua Roberts. The man. Welcome to the show, Josh. Tell us how you started playing football. Uh, in ninth grade, uh, I was going to play football. I got into a fight. <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. You know. Best way to start a story. You know, Best exactly. way to start a story. Uh, I got, I got all downhill from here with uh, with actually my coach. Even uh, better, <laughs> and he he told me I needed to go run what was like an eight mile loop for the, my practice, and I told him if he could walk the track without sweating, I would do it. And so he kicked me off the team. <laughs> and so you don't say, <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, buy me a coke. Oh snap. <laughs> Basically, from then, I thought I was not going to play football anymore. So I actually started cheerleading. This is uh, this so is many jumps. This is, this is I, I, news I, to us. Hey, listen, yeah, it's yeah. cool. So I moved to Florida and... Learn uh, something new every day. <laughs> I moved to Florida in my 10th grade year, and everybody was making fun of me. So I was like, I'm going to go out and play football. Again, football in high school didn't work well. I got into a, another fight with a, <laughs> a coach and his son. I see a pattern forming here. Yeah. Well, so I, I stopped playing football until my senior year when I met the Pasco County Hitmen in the six-man league. And where'd you go to high school? Golf high school. And uh, What years? 04 to 08. So you didn't play for golf high school, but you were around some pretty good players that came out of golf high school at that time. Yeah. I, most of them, actually. <laughs> most of them actually ended up playing on any of the semi-pro teams that were in the area. Talk about the hitmen. How did you get involved with them? Uh, a guy that my uh, dad worked with was their fullback. Uh, brought it up that I was super fast. And they were originally six-man. Yeah. Talk yes. about that. Six-man. What, what type of league is that? Uh, it's basically an outdoor arena. We were able to do, like, the yo-yo routes. So putting, you know, me running just out of high school, I was running a, a solid 4-4. There was nobody on any team that could keep up with me. So no one could guard you. It was basically like, hey, Josh, just run really fast. Uh, that's how I got into that. They uh, they had me kick for a little bit, too, because their team was solid, really tight-knit group. Some really monster people. And then some other guys that even made me feel really slow. Hector Colazzo actually. There's a name. Yeah. I remember Hector. He had some feet. There was there was no denying that. And then hung out with the hitmen for about four years. And at some point they went to 11, man. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the last year that I was with them was the year that we moved up, and that was uh, that was more of a joke than anything. So I want to paint a picture here because that's where we met. I was with the uh, Pasco County Hitmen. I came on as the offensive line coach, and uh, we had a practice where you showed up all bald-headed, full of piss and vinegar, all kinds of hyped up and squirrely, and I thought, this motherfucker is crazy. I also brought two beers with me <laughs> to practice. <laughs> to practice. <laughs> Running uh, posts over the middle, you know, catching catching balls and uh, non-contact drills, and then, you know, like, getting up and talking shit to the offensive linemen who are have nothing to do with what's going on. <laughs> So at first, my first impression of you was not that good, and based Most on people's. based on the stories that you yeah. just laid before the coaches. audience, yeah, yeah, but like it's it's pretty obvious why. <laughs> like then, uh, I believe you moved because we lost uh, contact for like a year or so. Uh, actually, three. Yeah, uh, all right. I so, moved to Pennsylvania, and one day you found out about another team that was forming, and you reached back out to me out of the blue because of the coastal chaos. Up until this point, you had only played receiver and kicker, correct? Correct. What was it that you said to me when you reached out to me on Facebook? I'm tired of people not being able to hit me in stride. (laughs) The most asinine thing, (laughs) right? The cockiest way someone can approach you with, hey, I want to play quarterback. He didn't say, hey, I'd like to play quarterback. He said, uh, nobody can hit me. And he played the position that way. Yes. <laughs> he played yeah. the position yeah, that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he tells me he wants to play quarterback. At the time, I thought, uh, okay, I haven't seen this kid in a while. He's super, you know, high-strung and squirrely and <laughs> you know, all this stuff. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle him, but... And we're back! <laughs> Thanks for the commercial break. <laughs> so at the time, we didn't really have a quarterback. Uh, we had three guys that said they wanted to play quarterback. None of them were traditional quarterbacks. None of them had a ton of quarterback experience. And I was the offensive coordinator for this team. So I took it as a challenge because I thought, you know, okay, I know this kid's athletic and I know what style of offense I want to run, which was, you know, a spread run and shoot or run and gun type deal. So I thought, uh, we'll see what you got. Came out to uh, the first practice we had um, with uh, chaos. And it was really just like a throwing session. It was actually like you, Jeffrey Hershey. Another guy who uh, will remain nameless, who wanted to play quarterback, who threw every ball in the dirt. And we had a couple linemen to snap, Levi and Tank, and then some receivers. And right off the bat, there was three guys throwing, and it was like crystal clear who should be throwing the football. You were throwing heaters, dimes, 60 yards down the field. You also had a very natural drop back for a guy who never really played quarterback before. So right off the bat, I thought like, I can work with this dude. I could see the mechanical problems right off the bat. And I thought maybe I could do something about this. But as we found out through trial and error, you can't really change somebody's mechanics, but you can work around their flaws. So we signed you up to play quarterback, of course, because of, you know, some crazy inner turmoil that went on with that particular team. And I used the word team loosely. What were your glorified yeah. flag team, basically? Yeah. <laughs> um, fell apart really quickly after that. Uh, there was a lot of politicking and guys wanted to do things in some crazy way that had never been done before. And it's like, it's football. Let it be football. It'll, it'll take care of itself. So anyway. What league was this in, by the way? It never it never materialized. No, it was no. going to be the UFF, the okay. dead UFF, yeah. Morant's League. Yeah. It just never materialized. And this is where the beef with the soldiers originates because these guys that owned and ran the chaos were basically pillaging the soldiers. They were going after 
everybody that had an axe to grind because they either didn't play enough, they weren't the favorites of leadership over there, and there were some actually some really talented players. So I thought these players were coming over willingly, but then it turns out that you know there was a lot of empty promises being made by the guys that were running that program. At the end of the day, they weren't really running anything because they were always away doing whatever they were doing, and they had myself and the defensive coordinator running the team. We were, uh, you know, running the show. The owner basically got really jealous and decided that it was time for him to take back, like, ownership of his team, even though we did all the legwork and did all the recruiting. He sent me packing, and then that's, you know, when I got my idea to do it my way, since they're clearly doing it wrong. The guy also took about $7,000 of everybody else's money. Wow. And we put all the money in for the jerseys. We put all the money in for league fees. Like, everybody had paid. On my way out the door, I said, these guys won't last six weeks. That was September or October. Fast forward, how much longer did did it last? I only went to, I think, two other practices between me and a couple other friends. We didn't even last another two weeks, but they were fully folded by, I don't know, a week before Thanksgiving. They were completely gone. So about six weeks. About six weeks, yeah. (laughs) January of 2014, about three months later, that's when we decided we were going to go ahead and go off on our own journey and do our own thing. And so we decided to start the Decepticon. Hell yeah, we did. The North Pinellas Decepticon. So I want to talk about that for a minute because all three of the guys in this room were a part of that franchise. Uh, Initially, you were my number one draft pick for a lot of reasons. One, you were really athletic. Two, you could throw the shit out of a football. And three, not necessarily last on that list was... You were really loyal to me when that stuff with the chaos went down. You know, I said, here's a guy who, you know, I can trust. I started the team with you and one other person, Levi. He actually came up with the color scheme. Yeah. Do you remember the... the, It's only funny because he can't see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's colorblind. Colorblind. Hold on. We have to discuss the Vegas gold. Is he the one who brought in Vegas gold? (laughs) No, no. So, So the original idea was hot pink and black. Yeah, so when we came up with the Decepticons idea, uh, we did an original logo and we did it in like hot paint. Couldn't we couldn't do purple because the Hitman uh, team yeah, the Hitman all purple. part of uh, was the Decepticon purple. So we were like, ah, what's going to be crazier? How mad are you going to be when you lose to a team in hot pink? So that's that's where we were at. Yeah, and we're not talking Susan G. Komen breast cancer pink. We're talking like straight up hot fuchsia type, you know, pink. So the original color scheme is going to be pink and black. We were the Decepticons, and I remember, like, initially getting a lot of pushback from people in the area because they thought that was the craziest thing they ever heard. Not just the color scheme, but the name. They were like, the Decepticons? Who is this? It was you, Chris Sullivan. His brother, Corey. Corey. Corey, George. George came on real early. And then Aaron. Andrew Givens. Was next one that really started. He was the last of the original. The first eight guys. Yeah. Yeah. We literally practiced for about two years before we ever fielded a team. Mm-hmm. And it just started as a bunch of guys running routes, getting in shape, puking in the in the summer sun, if you can even call them practices. But we had a lot of four-man practices, five-man practices, six-man practices, and we just started slowly building this thing. A um, semi-pro norm of practice. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's just for this, there was like such a long payoff because it took us forever to get to you know where we wanted to be. But... I knew going into it that we were going to have to take our time and that I was going to miss the next season registration, you know, to, to like set up a team and everything with a league because 
we weren't ready. I didn't have an infrastructure. I didn't have a place to play. I didn't have paperwork. I hadn't established myself, no budget, no nothing like that or whatever. I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. So I was like, I need to take my time, build this up, and then we'll join the league once we, you know, once we see what's going on. Uh, it's crazy what I found when I came across the Decepticons. You guys had an app. The colors definitely changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. We had a field at that point. Yep. We were practicing, I want to say it was Carrollwood. Yeah, so practiced there. We practiced Skyway. Skyway. Mm-hmm. Our home away from home was kind of um, Oldsmar Canal Park. Yeah. Was... And then we found our permanent home with Eastlake, yep. the Eastlake Sports Complex. That's because uh, we had the Spongers yeah. field, and yeah, it was the... like, oh, we're going to be locked in here. And it just yeah, city of Tarpon chose not to let us practice on that field. I knew the mayor, David Archie, I believe was his name, and basically, uh, you know, I got a meeting with town hall and stuff, and I pitched the thing about you know us playing football there and practicing and everything, and they said they didn't do adult football on the youth field. It, it was a, really a shame because that's a gorgeous field, state of the art. It looks like a million bucks, but they only use it three months out of the year or whatever it is. For, for football and then youth soccer, I think. But they have their own fields there as well. Uh, yeah, that was a bummer because I, I was really psyched about uh, Tarpon Sports Complex. And that's why we ended up moving around a lot because initially we were Tarpon Sports Complex for a while. But then we just kind of couldn't find a home. So we were like road dog moving around everywhere. Yeah, um, our, our home games were never in the home. same home. <laughs> it was like, oh, we found a field here. Uh, quarterback, talk about it. <laughs> what do you want talk to go. I never learned touch. I was the same way I play everything else. I was always uh, 100 miles an hour. Damo could attest to this, but this, this, this dude has the Dan Marino arm. Yeah. He only knows how to throw a ball 100 miles an hour, and there is no... Uh, See, the jammed fingers are a drop pass. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's where 90% of my interceptions came from. Yeah, deflections. Well, let me ask you this, Josh. For me, in high school... I would end up watching other positions, their drills. And if I wanted to jump over from corner to safety, just some of the the drills that safeties were doing for tracking the ball rather than me doing pressing. Did you watch anything for QBs and try to pick up anything? No. No? No. (laughs) No, it was all Uh, fly by. Literally, uh, he he asked me the question before. He's like, have you ever ever played quarterback? No, I just have big hands and I can throw the ball. That's literally how the was first that, practice Was that me, went. by the way? Was that your impression of me? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever played quarterback before? No, it, it literally his, the first practice when we went out there, when he was saying that, I, I was literally throwing the ball 40 yards in between people, hitting people like in the chest every single throw. And it was like, oh, can you slow that down? And then I'd try and do a little touch and I, it would just sail because I had no float mechanism in my hand i I did it we had uh for like the first i want to say six months every day after practice i was in excruciating pain throwing the ball so hard throwing it so much (laughs) because you were throwing from the elbow i yeah i I didn't have i could throw the ball wherever you wanted me to do it but i didn't have the right mechanics of it you had that three-quarter delivery so it was snapping his elbow every time he didn't have the overhead Peyton Manning or Tom Brady delivery. It was out to the side. So I was Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon. Yeah, stretched way out there. Talk about how you started kind of adjusting to the position. And I, I guess 
how you eased into quarterback from receiver. What was that like for you? I know what it was like for me, believe me, uh, and we'll get into that. But uh, what was it like for you as a uh, receiver, you know, knowing the routes, knowing the route trees, how was that transition? Really, it was more or less actually being that quarterback for me, being the quarterback that listened to the receiver, the guy that would sit here, ask, how are you going to run this? Where is your breakdown? So it's not, it's always what I wanted from a quarterback to ask me. Because each receiver runs their routes differently. You know, even everybody runs the same post. Nobody runs the same post. Everybody runs a post. Some people always cut at 7. Some people wait and always take it to 12. And you, so I was that quarterback that actually would sit there and listen. And everything I felt was my fault. If anything happened, like, oh, I overthrew you. I underthrew you. Oh, I didn't listen to where you said you were doing stuff. So it was... I was the transitioned into the guy that always wanted to just be the best person for my receivers. And as your receiver, that had to be one of the most frustrating parts of your game <laughs> that you took blame for everything. Oh. There was many a times on the sideline I'd pull you, hey man, let it go, yeah. <laughs> let it go. And the next throw, you could tell you were still holding on to it. You know, you'd, you'd sell them and you'd kick yourself in the ass after every throw. I might be a little responsible for that <laughs> as the uh, as the coach. I definitely was really hard on you. We're not having this kind of a moment right now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> They're locking eyes right you now. Can't, now. Yeah, you can't see us, but I'm reaching out to touch him. Fingertips. <laughs> I know I know that I was hard on you. It was kind of like a you and I have a really funny relationship. You know, this was a big criticism of myself and you as a player coach by other players because they felt like I played favorites. You know firsthand that couldn't be farther from the truth because – you annoyed the piss out of me all the time, and... I was also we, the one running at the end of every single practice. We fought tooth and nail over everything. I, it kind of reminds me of, like, that relationship that Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre had, you know? Yeah. It was, like, a love-hate relationship. Yeah. Like, Brett Favre pissed Mike Holmgren off so bad, but Mike Holmgren went nuts in a good way every time Brett Favre pulled something out of his ass and yeah, I made, did that, that, made that magic happen. I did that plenty of times. You know, Absolutely. come running off the field. I'd yeah. come running off. And he'd be like, what the hell was that? I'd be like, it worked. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a scene in the movie Major League where Wesley Snipes splits as he's catching the ball. He goes into a split and catches the ball out in the outfield for the third out, and everybody's coming back to the dugout, and the manager says, Nice play, Maze. Nice play. Don't ever fucking do it again. <laughs> like, and that's pretty much that sums up my relationship with you as a quarterback because you had this magic. And that's that I think that was another reason why I was so gun ho about you playing the position because you could make throws that I've never still to this day never seen another human being make, like the throw of tripping over your own feet and throwing a laser to the opposite corner as you're uh, completely horizontal <laughs> through the air on your way to the ground, and you lasered a ball about 40 yards <laughs> for a completion on a corner. And I thought to myself, I, I, I don't even know how that was physically possible. <laughs> he was able to do that. Uh, there was that time I made you go touch the tree, which was... At the opposite end. Yeah, no, you made me the... in the Mitchell complex. You said, go touch the other trees. So I had to, at Mitchell, there's the front field where we would all practice. About a half a mile. I would have to run <laughs> around through the woods of one section, then go through two more fields to get to that tree, what he wanted me to touch. 
this, uh, by the way, this, this was not torture. This was because you were mouthing off to me during practice. This was not me saying, judging I'm going to break you. <laughs> judging by his experience with the coaches, I don't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> this was, this was just me trying to send a message, you know, that, uh, uh this is how things are going to be done. And I had made a decision pretty early on that I was going to go with him regardless of what happened after that. Whoever showed up. Because he had put in the work, he was doing really well. He was making a lot of strides, and so you know, from a from a personality or disciplinary standpoint, it was just until he figures it out, he's going to run. But he's the kind of guy that will defiantly, you know, do that shit anyway because he's going to say, "I don't get tired. You're not going to make me tired. I'll run anyway." And then and then I'd make him run more. He'd say, say, "He's running out of spite at this point." Exactly. Pointing at your beer. Yeah, you threw yeah, me off. Threw me off. No, yeah. I'm pointing at my beer because all the running and everything that I did, it didn't matter. I was still, I would get done running and then get to the sideline and drink a Mountain Dew or all right. a nice tea. Here we go. I you decided to bring it in. You, yeah, bring you it went in. Mountain yeah. Dew drink. Yeah, you, you went there, so now we're going to fucking talk about it. This guy would show up to 95 degree, maybe even 101 degree practices. Middle of the summer with either a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew or gallon of sweet tea when everybody else is bringing their own gallons of water. We got a hose hooked up for everybody to drink water out of. I actually, to this day, aside from in games, I don't think I've ever actually seen you drink water. And I think the only time I've drank water in a game was more or less to rinse my face off. Because I got so, dirt on it. So, so there was you water professionally here. hydrated on sweet tea and Mountain Dew. And it pissed me off so bad <laughs> because think, it defies biology. I think that's why he made me run initially. It was like, oh, I'm going to see if this actually is. And I would run and drink the rest of my two liter. Because <laughs> like, I thought for oh, sure he would cramp up. I'm better. You know? After, right after a two-hour practice in 95-degree weather, and he slams yeah, back a bunch I, of teeth. You can, yeah. you doubled over. I couldn't do it. I did that during games, too. Like, I would bring my own soda or monsters to actual games, just put them over in our ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'd run over, twist the top off, crack open my monster, and do my thing. No, not real quick. I want to I wanna go back to this. So we, we build a team. Uh, we finally start making some, some hay. In the recruiting aspect, I mean, like, we start getting some real players. Yep. Uh, we saw the team go from, you know, 7 to 12 to 24 to, you know, like 37 guys. We had some pretty yoked out dudes on that team. Two running backs who probably combined weighed 430 pounds. Running and back's name was literally Muscles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we, uh, they both were probably, like, combined 5% body fat. <laughs> on, on on the high end of that scale. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought uh, with most of the team, we were looking like a well-oiled machine with the, the, the bodies we had coming in. We were getting some real talent. We were kind of lacking in the receiver department. We had a couple of lunch pail guys. Most of our, <laughs> most of the receivers were in the, I just played a lot in high school. Yeah. Like, Pickup games. Yeah. Didn't actually play. Yeah, that too. 
I'm not going to say that out loud, though. Uh, I missed the hand signal. <laughs> no, he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we finally found one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jeff, because Jeff would play both ways. He would go in and the same thing. I did the same thing for the first season. I think I only, I think I only came off the field the first season, maybe like five plays in the entire game. Well, only one season. Yeah. No. Yeah. So the first season you did not play a lot of defense, but there were games where you had to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to play it both ways. That was that was insane. But you know, we'll we'll get there. Damo brought it up. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll talk about the uh, the elephant in the room, which was that day going back to Damo's first practice with the team, where basically you know it was like the tale of two teams before that fifty two man practice where we had a legit roster and I thought like man we've really got a chance here. We had some I don't want to say jamokes, but <laughs> you know we we, we had some uh, average guys and then we started looking like a million bucks. The day that uh, that Damo and his crew showed up, all the black people showed up. We were we were waiting for the, you the, to say the it. black guy. I had yeah, to the, do the, it. Listen, we were waiting for it. He's the black guy. So. He had the. Say. Let's just let's just say that uh, it 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 got considerably darker out when when these you guys changed. when these guys showed up and, uh, and everything changed like the the speed of our game. The, yeah, that the, was the big difference. Was we went from uh, not having any home run hitters to having a lot of home run hitters. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, our defense locked down? Uh, as odd as yeah. it sounds, I mean, you opened up room for everybody. Yeah. You, you know? That's when I had my uh, longest yard moment. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. Like, oh, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, man? And I'll talk about it a little bit. Just bringing up Jeff playing receiver. I, Jeff and I actually played together with the Tampa Tigers. He was, uh, yeah, so Jeff was actually the one who kind of planted the idea in my yeah. head that I needed to come after you. Yeah. Yeah. So we all, and I actually met Jeff just random. He pulled up and I pulled up at the exact same time to one of the Tigers practice. We just kind of noticed we were getting ready for, for football and we just kind of talked a little bit and it was cool. We hit it off. Um, he played DB. I played receiver. So it was an automatic rivalry right off the bat. He, he wanted to shut me down. I wanted to score on him. It was just every time we lined up, that was the goal. Uh, and, uh, he, the Tigers ended up folding, or not folding, but they ended up having the issues they had. And he took off and found the Decepticons first. And after maybe, a, I'd say maybe a month of telling them to come out, just come out, man, just come take a look at them. Finally decided to get everybody up and let, let's go take a look. From your perspective, let's talk about that practice for a minute, Josh, where these guys showed up because... <laughs> I've never heard this perspective, by the way. Because Damo and I have discussed, I thought that this was the best practice, you know, we ever had as a team, ever. And we never met, matched that type of intensity and skill again. In anything. Right. In a, in a game or um, nothing. It was but never the same. just everything that we had gone through for the 18, 20 months leading up to that point, to have it kind of fall into place like it did, I just remember from my perspective, I think we scored like the first six times we touched the ball. That's and a total of 10, uh, 10 touchdowns at yeah, practice. Yeah. And the first six... We're, we're all on the 50, 50 plus yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was me. That I was having my longest yard moment watching this happen. Uh, talk about how the how much easier it made life for you when you know you had Damo and you know some of the other guys show up. Basically, just having a receiver that was an actual receiver uh, 
changed everything. And not just somebody who wanted to play receiver? Not somebody yeah. that was just like, huh, I'm a really fast kid. Yeah. You know, it was, it was having somebody that would literally question why I did, why did you throw it like that? It's just what I would have done. Polished. Oh, no, no, no. This is how it's done. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And then the next play completely looked like a whole different person. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically, I owe between you and him, he's at least 40% of what changed the whole mechanic of me as a quarterback was Damo and his calm down. This is where it is. This is how every, this is how this play should be run. This is how you as a quarterback should change it. Because like we said earlier, you and I were very, uh, oil and water. Yes. Very yeah. yelling at each other yeah. a lot. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, it was more like a older brother, younger brother thing between you and I. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's exactly how I would describe it. It was like a sibling. Uh, I'm better than you. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> but you know that that actually came across as the season played itself out. As you guys had that those moments more and more often, it was more or less. It stopped being. Casey's just unloading on Josh. <laughs> Sorry, they're just having another one of those spats. Just let him have it. After ten minutes. Josh will make a crazy play, and it's all good again. He summed it up. That's what everybody basically thought. You know, oh, they're doing this again. It'll be fine after Josh throws a bomb for a, a touchdown or whatever. Yeah, yeah, great. I, for that practice, man, I think well, I think we reached that potential. We, we reached our max that practice because, like you said, it was two it, – it almost had that, that feel of two different teams. Yeah. And you had guys that were there that put in a year and a half, a few, or however long of, of, of time – worth of work and you had guys that felt like they've been wronged from the Tigers. You know, we spent this much time, we, we put all this effort into learning this and it didn't work. So you had two sides that were both ready to erupt. And, you know, and you come in, you put them together on the same team. You have guys like, oh, is he going to play receiver? Is he going to play DB? Well, I can show him I'm going to play. Yeah. And you had everyone reach their max level. Yeah. You know, we just blew up that practice. I, I still remember every single throw between myself and Damo. Because every single one, Jeff was lined up across from him. <laughs> and it was like, it, and Jeff is a standoff corner. Yes, he jams, but he is still, he, yeah, he plays his to be best off. to be off. <laughs> and it didn't matter. Damon called him out every <laughs> single time. And every time they were right there. They fought more than it took me to drop, roll, spin. And then somehow can, he would break off. Can I just say that the only thing on the football field that brings me more pleasure than punishing you and watching you run <laughs> is punishing Jeff. No, watching just Jeff watching him get lose. embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watching watching Jeff uh, you know eat crow because he talks a lot of shit and then Yeah, uh, Jeff is probably one of the better players in terms of talking crap to you. Yeah. yeah. He knows how to give it to anybody that yeah. that aspect. Yeah. I, I remember we did that at halftime during one game. You guys were on the side over by the cars. <laughs> yeah. And they were literally took all their stuff off and they just called each other out yeah. over and over and oh no, I'm gonna be receiver this time, you cover me. And it was it was incredible to watch it. Damon beat him every single time and locked him down about four times. It was ridiculous. I remember after that practice, Jeff being so pissed off about what had happened, basically his performance, but not just that, but how bad he felt that other guys like Damo made him look that practice. That the next practice, if you remember, the next practice was when Jeff worked a receiver so hard that he actually quit the team. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Jeff would not let we we weren't even running routes. There wasn't we weren't you know doing a, a an offensive versus defensive uh, period or anything like that. Basically, the wrong receiver called him out, and Jeff took it upon himself to beat the ever loving shit out of this kid, <laughs> and and never let him off of the line. He never you know we gave him a five yard marker and he couldn't get past Jeff. Jeff just beat the shit out of him. He and, and, and just even in Taco Jeff, he's a good corner, man. He he can he can play he can play. It's just one of those things. Like I said, it's just a rivalry. It brings out the best. You know, you 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 spend that time with someone. You go over and over again with the Tigers, and you we come to the Decepticons. And again, it's a corner receiver. It doesn't matter who it is. You're, you're always going to want to go after him. You're going to call that person out nonstop. I've yeah. I've heard this said before, but even from my perspective, it, it just sounds weird coming from me because it was my team and, and, and I put it together and stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the, you know, the, the boasting or whatnot. That's not who I am, but I've heard it said by a lot of guys that were on that team that this was the most talented group of guys they've ever seen assembled before. And for, I would have to agree with a lot of that. For whatever reason, things just don't come together the way you, you think they're going to come together. And, I mean, you being an Eagles fan, you can speak to this for a minute about what happens when you load a team up with talent and think that you're going to – that that's an automatic shoe-in for winning. I mean, 2005, I think. You know, they brought Vince Young and yeah. Naomi Asawa or whatever his name is. Terrell Owens and uh, – The air quotes dream team. Yeah, dream as team. As it was labeled. Yeah. Was, How'd they do? They lost a lot. Nine and seven, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after being a perennial like thirteen win team for uh, you know six or seven years, making it to the NFC Championship four years in a row. Yeah, those are the yeah. McNabby years. So, yeah, but that's when that's when. So the dream it was team after years. that it fell apart. No, they, so they, they kept trying to bring in people. So here's the so here's the plight of a semi-pro coach right here. When you stack a team full of talent making all of that talent happy uh, because because that was that was a thing was um, trying to find playing time for somebody to get on the field and they might have been really talented and I've, I've even heard other coaches say this before about players needing to understand that it's a long season and that you may not be playing now but you're gonna need to play at some point that yeah. was uh, my biggest problem with the Falcons the team I had in Chicago we said we I combined the three years, maybe four or five games we lost, but we played maybe six preseason games. We lined up whoever said they wanted to play. We lined it up, yeah. and we we just burnt out. You know, by the time postseason gets here, you play, you you practice all off season. Yeah. You have six preseason games, however many you play. Then you beat up on each other again for another two months before the season starts. And you know, and by the time postseason rolls around, you're just you're you're done. It just it just goes to show you that uh, there there's no perfect formula when it comes to running a team and, and and putting together a team because having a stacked team where you can't find a place to play a player who might be a starter on another team blue chip player be and them getting burnt out because of the amount of time you spend putting together the team right there's a lot of hard work that goes into it yep. but then we we know other teams that don't practice at all. They you like know, to buck the status quo. You know, what do you what do you do in those situations? And that team, you know, wins five, six, seven games without even practicing. So it's you know, there's there's no perfect formula. Getting back to the quarterback discussion, we went through some ups and downs. We ended up going five and five in that season. I don't like consolation prizes, but there was a lot to take away from that because 
started out the season one and three, and I had three or four coaches. And then because of a falling out with uh, members of the team, I fired those coaches, and then I ended up running the team for the rest of the season by that myself. Was season wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally forgot. Four it was games into the season, we uh, we let the other coaches go, and then I had to micromanage the entire team, and including right. running it, and that was super stressful. But the reason I take so much pride in that time because that's when we came together as a team. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. That's how we, we went that's from how we played. We played like it was just we're here to have a good time. We, yeah, we, exactly. We, that's where I loosened up because I was really uptight for 15, 18 months all throughout that period because I was trying to put together a successful program that I felt that I could. Even with that practice, the, the one we've, we've referenced, it was a point where we pulled out film to see if it was someone toe-tapped for a touchdown. Yeah, it was that yeah, intense, it was that fun, that it wasn't just, oh, no, I'm not going to let him get away with that. Let's check it to see if he actually scored. You know, we wanted it was bringing out the fire for everybody. And then afterwards, after the, the, the meltdown we had, we got back to that. Everyone started having fun again. Josh started having fun letting the ball spin. You loosened up. You didn't have the stress from all the other guys. Funny what winning or playing well does to you. We were super uptight when we were first four games of the season, one and three, and then we made changes, and then we went three and one, and then split the last two games. But even in those losses, we were playing some of our best football. The other thing that to add to the, the asterisks, if anything, is in those losses we're talking in Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not and talking. Pensacola. Yeah, we're not talking something yeah. that's down the road, it, it, yeah. and we've got our full squad. So. Yeah. Story time. Story time. Yeah. I want to talk about 2015. You got the tryout for the Marine Raiders. All right. Right. All right. So, firstly, I want to set the stage by saying that. Up to this point, you'd been a quarterback for about five, six months. Yeah. And in practice only. You'd never actually suited up to Correct. play the position Correct. up to this point. I remember when Andrew Givens came to the team with the opportunity and said, hey, you know, uh, the uh, Marine Raiders, this was the Lakeland Marine Raiders at the time. They were one of the most storied indoor teams in the, in the state. They've, you know, since folded. But at the time, they were one of the best opportunities for people outside of semi-pro. He came to the team and said that they were having a tryout and said what they were looking for. And one of the positions that they were looking for was quarterback. You know, I wasn't even thinking about it because – you were so new to the position and we were, you know, still trying to figure stuff out that I didn't think that it would even click. And after that practice, you came up to me and said, like, I want to do that. I want to do that tryout. And I think my response was something like, no. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You, why? No, why would you? Why? Why would you put yourself through that? Yeah. Yeah. And. I wasn't trying to be selfish, but I am like I know that it, he also didn't want me to leave it, because I was the quarterback. <laughs> I was it, the if I, quarterback. If there I, was no other if quarterback, I, if I made it, but I, I really wasn't. I was just thinking from a standpoint of you're not ready, you're not prepared. I thought you were going to go out there and totally shit the bed. Fast forward to night before the tryouts. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew Givens, who was your contact he was the one who you know got you the tryout he's also a member of the team by the way you know he was you know oh make sure you you know go to bed early the you know tryout starts at like 7 a.m or uh, whatever it was i know you had to be up at like the crack of dawn because it's a two-hour drive for me to get to yeah 
So I want to set the stage. Explain to the listeners and Damo, by the way, because Damo's really pumped to hear the story. Like yeah. he's heard bits and pieces of it. Explain what happened because not only did you not listen to Andrew Givens about <laughs> Go going, figure. yeah, I mean, what have we been talking about this this whole podcast? Uh, not only did you not listen to Andrew Givens' advice, a guy who plays a ton of indoor football and plays for Team USA and has a ton of experience with, with these matters, when he says, go to bed early, make sure you, you eat right, stay hydrated, uh, it's going to be a long day. Explain to the audience what you did the night before your first major tryout for a paid quarterback position and then what actually happened that day i went out with my wife we went to the roundup the country bar and uh tell us about it uh it was sink or swim and i was sinking uh i i probably drank uh i probably had about 15 jack and cokes oh man uh and uh you know we i stayed that was the in uh, Tampa, so it was open till about three. We didn't leave till about two forty-five. What made you decide to do that? <laughs> she asked if I wanted to go out. I was like, "All right, we're going." <laughs> we went. We we went out. We stayed. We had a great time. I got home. I started vomiting. Uh, <laughs> uh, I ended up uh, passed out in in my tub, which is <laughs> and then to be woken up to uh, hey, you have to leave. Uh, I get out to my truck. Uh, my keys are locked in my truck. I had to break my back window out so I could get into my truck. <laughs> so I drove there with a towel because at this time it started to rain. Uh, so I drove. This is the worst. I drove. <laughs> the worst tryout ever. <laughs> I drove all the way to Lakeland from Hudson to the tryout. I was 35 minutes late. Uh, I walked in to them going, oh, well, you just have to quick sign all this. You know, they're already in the weight room. I was like, oh, okay. Can I get a Gatorade? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andrew Gibbons met you there, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was already in the weight room. He was, like, waving at me, like, hurry up. You got to go. Come on. Uh, we get into the weight room. Uh, they put 225 on the bar because they got to see what we can do. I do it six times. It's the most I've ever done yeah. <laughs> in a weight room in my life. I was like, I don't even think I could do this one time. So just in case we end up having listeners that have no idea what you're talking about, oh. what you're talking about is a 225-pound bench press yeah. and cold, probably still drunk, drunk. <laughs> you you sit down and you rep it six times. Which is more than I've and you're, ever you're a quarterback in a gym ever. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, Continue. So then uh, we... They ask if we want to do the 40-yard because it's wet. Um, and basically, we it stopped raining for a little bit, and everybody was like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. We, we get outside, and they actually have lasers. They got the whole setup on these cones, and I run a, I run a solid 4-5. <laughs> I think it was a 4-5-1. I'm not for a QB, though. Also, again, not, I'm still intoxicated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was the fastest person there. There were two running backs and three receivers there. I was the fastest one. I also did uh, the second most reps in the bench and move out. So at this point, you're killing it. Though. I'm I'm on fire, and everybody's like, I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> now, we already know that he can do that. Yeah. We're talking about the quarterback stuff that we have not gotten to yet. Mm -hmm. That I was concerned about. I knew he was an amazing. Well, I, I'm, 
I'm looking at it from a from a, a scout perspective. This kid shows up 30 minutes late asking me for yeah. a Gatorade. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you run the big 40, and then did the agility drills like the L the L drill L and all drill that stuff. stuff. Yep. Givens was uh, recording all this with his phone because he ended up posting it in the group later. You know, go ahead. What what happened after the agility drills? Uh, they move us to doing some routes. You know, they basically go, are you going to try off quarterback? Is this all you're going to do? Are you going to do receiver at all? I was like, yeah, I don't want to run. I, I just want to throw the ball. <laughs> and they kind of laughed at it because you don't you ever really hear anybody tell them that they don't want to try other things. Right. This was all I wanted to do. This is also now the first time I've ever held an arena ball. I've never even held one before this. They're slick. Rubber, not leather. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, can I throw a couple times, you know, just to warm up or whatever? And the guy's like, yeah, we got like five minutes. So I got to throw a little bit, warm myself up, had what would be probably the best practice of my entire life, the best throwing session. The only ball that was dropped was the very first one that I threw, and it was because he ran a, I think he ran a five-yard out, and I stuck it too high. Uh, and he literally reached out for it and fell, and that's how he missed it. The rest of them, I didn't give anybody the chance for any reaching. I put it right on them every <laughs> single time. Uh, they were, We were running... Uh, Go routes, it didn't matter. I was dropping them directly. Where it didn't matter who was there. If the guy was 5'5", five, five, he was 6'4", it was exactly to that person. I see. I could so, tell you from, from catching go routes from Josh, it's it's two speeds. It's one, it's either on the money yeah. or it's 500 yards in front yeah. of you. Yeah, and you got to run to China <laughs> to catch yeah. it. Yeah. That's pretty uh, good, man. That's awesome. Yeah, let's, but, but let's break this down, though, oh, because... Sorry, uh, in between some of these also. Yes, please. Uh I would have to say, give me a minute and run to the side of this building (laughs) and vomit. Yeah. So he was throwing up violently during this entire tryout uh, as soon as they started making him work uh, because he was uh, still drunk and uh, had no water, no Gatorade. This is talking about a guy who does not drink water or Gatorade at the previous practice with the Decepticons. You probably hit... 10 of 21 passes maybe and through three or four interceptions in the offense versus defense Mm -hmm. and then in this throwing session where you're still legally drunk uh have had have had zero hours of sleep and it is raining cats and dogs outside and you're throwing a rubber ball in the rain you incompleted your first pass and then you proceeded to hit 21 consecutive passes, 21 consecutive passes Yeah. to basically end of the throwing session 21 of 22. Correct. After throwing that first incompletion. Yes. So after that, they invite me to the team. It was twice a week. I'd have to, I'd leave work, have to drive all the way out there. Practices were at 645. I was kept on the team for... Two months, um, never never got a jersey, never got anything like that, never made it to any game, but I outlasted every other quarterback that had either been on the team or had also tried out. The reason that they ended up letting me go was because their quarterback that was playing overseas had come home. Came back. Uh, and they were like, oh, don't come tomorrow. So I, I, I want to rewind it. So we can talk about the competition that you had at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say one of the names. 
was Nick Martino, mm-hmm. who is, ah. yeah, you already know because you've reacted. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Nick Martino had, you know, three or four years of starting quarterback experience behind him. And at this time, he's also like a championship flag football quarterback, too. So take football out of it. From a flag football standpoint, he's probably the best flag football quarterback in the state of Florida. He throws touchdown passes behind his back. Literally, yeah. You know? uh, I want to have him on the podcast so we can talk about the behind-the-back pass because he's actually thrown it in games. Mm-hmm. and Twice. Touchdowns he's, he's done it twice. So, so Nick Martino, who was a big name in the area, was actually highly – uh, recruited by the Marine Raiders, and here you are, a jabron out of nowhere, with booze on your breath and vomit on your shirt, and you complete 21 of 22 passes, and after, what, like the first two practices, he gets cut, and you make the cut. Right. I, I gotta ask, what are the coaches saying as you go in between passes to go throw up? You're, they're like, I don't really think that's... Uh... How you should have spent your night, do you? Yeah, they were giving like, it to him. They, 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 yeah, they yeah. were giving me crap yeah. the whole time. They were like, is this what you're going to be doing all the time? I normally don't go out with my wife very much. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I remember Givens' reaction because Givens got him set up, got him the tryout, told him when to be there and everything. You know, initially he was really pissed off. He could not have been happier with how Josh performed. He posted it all over the team group, Facebook. He had all the, you know, everything on film. He had it on his cell phone. He was recording the entire thing. He was laughing about how worse for wear he was at this practice, but while also under pressure, having the best practice of his entire life. That's Josh, though. In a tr- exactly. And, Josh. and that, you know, that basically sums it up, like, in a nutshell. That is the biggest intangible reason why he was my quarterback. There are certain things that you just can't teach, and one of those is... The ability to perform under pressure, like him or hate him, because <laughs> he's got, you know, a lot of mixed fans out there that, yeah. that have, you know, come across him. He just rises to the occasion in the most unwinnable situation. And that's honestly why I stuck it out with you, man. I stuck it out with with, with the team and with you at QB and, and bought into that because no matter what, it, it didn't matter the situation. If it's where at the point where... And need someone with heart, need someone that's willing to, I'm going to take a shot. You know, I, I may get hit, I may get killed on this on this behind the line right now. There's no one else that was willing to step up and take a hit more than you. Let's see. That season with the Decepticons, I played that season with three broken fingers, uh, three cracked ribs. Uh, I broke my foot throughout that whole time. Was I got into that car accident for work. Yeah, my oh. wrist when yeah. he totaled the truck. When remember that? Truck, yeah. yeah, and I came to that. I came to practice the next day. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Uh, I'll say this: with the revolving door that we had at offensive line, where we never had the same five guys in the same five positions any two games that season, he probably took a Ben Roethlisberger style beating. Yeah, over the course of a ten game season, he was probably sacked oh, a lot, forty times, and that is. Probably half as many as he should have been sacked because he, you know, escaped. He was, he was, just, he was a squirrel man. You know, he couldn't. There's, he could, a, there's a few games I'm like, this guy's not good. He's not getting up. He's not coming back at least if he does get up. Yeah, there were times uh, um, he would literally scrape himself off the ground. Yeah. And I got pictures to prove most of them. <laughs> I remember that beating that you took in the uh, the nightmare game that we were talking about. And that's uh, literally and figuratively 
we were playing the nightmare and it was a nightmare game in the playoffs where you broke those ribs and the ring finger on my throwing hand yeah is that you you taped them together well that was already yeah yeah there's a photo of me playing tackle that game yeah (laughs) our best receiver our best playmaker playing left tackle protecting our quarterback that's That's how incredible actually that's a it's a really cool how do you still have that picture and and look at look at how he's keeping that guy from, from getting it. He's what? creating a pocket out of that stance, man. He created a pocket, man. Yeah. That's so yeah. The uh, the cracked ribs that was crazy because then we made the trip back. This was in Defuniac Springs, Florida. Say that three times fast. Defuniac Springs, Defuniac Springs, Defuniac Springs. So we're talking about a six hour fucking drive. Wait, I got it. We have all of our stuff. For the 13 people that went in one van. Yeah. <laughs> one van. And I sat on the way there. And there to were 10 game. guys in that van. <laughs> I sat on top of all of our equipment for that drive because we didn't have room. And then on the way home from that game, I sat on top of my cold case of beer <laughs> Because my ribs hurt, I was losing. I was using them as an ice pack. So, so let me let me paint another funny picture. So we're uh, we're driving home. I think I pulled like a at least a twenty six hour day. Uh, we got a touchdown that la- that last play, didn't we? Uh, to you, was it not? No, uh, was it, who Darius. Was it? Darius. Darius. Yeah. Okay, because that was the play that I broke my rib, and that's when you went in and played quarterback the last like two that plays. Was Darius. I remember playing running back that game. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. All I. So I just want to I want to go back to the van because I remember this is how tough this kid is. He's got broken ribs. He can barely talk. He can barely breathe. And we got to get you know all the way back to Tampa. And we're coming from Defuniac Springs. He's stretched out, laying down on top of the shoulder pads, which are stacked almost to the ceiling of the of the car. So this dude is literally over my head on the back behind me in the van. And stretched out, like, trying to get comfortable. And he has to keep, like, repositioning himself because he's got, you know, broken ribs. And he's and laying I, on shoulder pads. <laughs> on shoulder pads. And I just remember. Yeah, and I just remember. God, that was such a brutal trip. And I just remember at one point in the night hearing on his uh, phone, like, his earbuds or whatever, he was listening to uh, Disturbed's cover of Hello Darkness, My Old Friend phone. <laughs> and I remember hearing the lyrics, thinking to myself, this dude's in a dark place right now. <laughs> like, 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 he just got his fucking ass handed to him. He's got broken ribs, and nobody was willing to give up their fucking seat so that he could relax yeah. and get some comfort. And he's laying on top of, you know, six stacks of shoulder pads that are hot and sweaty, smell like shit. Yeah. And he's got to make it six hours in that position. That's what I do. I'm a team player. <laughs> oh, darkness, my old friend. You know, uh, you know what? That just reminded me, man. That road trip, I had Jeff, my wife, Kathy, and Silas on the car. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Right towards the end of the game, you gave us the scare of a lifetime because yes. we thought you broke that. your ankle. I do and remember that. I remember the, uh, the, the, the paramedic coming up and waving him off. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not riding. 
one of these times we're going to get into the the seven stages of Kathy Davis <laughs> and uh, um, how she treats uh, her husband getting hurt on the football field. But this was she doesn't probably, mind him playing. It's just when he gets hurt. But this was probably she loses the, it. The this was probably the start of my overwhelming with fear <laughs> for your wife, fear of your wife. I should say I'm deathly afraid of your wife. Just because, for anyone listening, she's probably five foot one. That's a stretch. <laughs> And I'm and I'm six one and three hundred and fifty pounds, so I was uh, I was scared shitless for you because it looked nasty from where we were, yeah. and you were on the sideline at that point. Collision happened real close to our sideline, and your foot got stuck and you kind of twisted and whatnot. I was coming over and Kathy was a wreck. I think she ended up like bringing your car onto yeah, the she field. Yeah, drove it onto the field. Yeah, this is fucking crazy because now I've got two of my star players. And I'm not even talking about you right now. I'm talking about Damo and Jeff getting ready to leave the game <laughs> because Damo's ankle just popped. We're sick. Of, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I didn't have your number and I couldn't get a hold of you. And you guys left. And I wanted to make sure you, if you were going to hospital, what hospital you were going to. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're so far away from home. That was why I didn't go. I'm like, yeah. I didn't, I'm not going yeah. this, this far up. And I get stuck out here for, you know, you go to the emergency room, you're looking at minimum four hours. In Defuniac Springs, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, so I, I didn't want to didn't do that. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and then on top of that, you cracked your ribs and broke your fingers. That was, that was actually, again, to get back to your toughness, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but taping up a finger that... The bone was exposed. I didn't realize that. And then you gripped, and then you gripped a football. The worst part was, I'd broken fingers in almost every game that season because releasing the ball because I would have no time, oh, so yeah. I'd be releasing and I'd be coming you down, know, helmet. And trying to stiff arm somebody, trying to come around a corner, getting sacked, and during the was it the Tallahassee game? Uh, I literally had to stand up with three people on top of me in as I was getting sacked because someone reached in and snapped my pinky. And I literally stood up and I was like, are you kidding me right now? With people on top of me. And these are linemen. And I run off the field. And then that was the game. It was either, I want to say it was Jeff that punt that game because that was, it would have been fourth down. So Jeff, Jeff everything. Yeah. So, and it was, it was like, all right, Jeff's going to punt just because I had to come off the field because I needed my fingers put back together. <laughs> it's just that statement alone. Needed my fingers put back together. Yeah. <laughs> I had to come off the field. That's like the Ronnie Lott thing <laughs> where, like, you know, Ronnie Lott. saw it off. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie Lott's got a compound fracture on his pinky finger and his finger's, like, sticking, you know, it's barely hanging onto his hand. And he comes off the field, you know, one of the trainers or coaches or whatever, we got to take care of that. We got to get that thing taken care of, you know, you're going to lose your finger. And he goes, that's all right. I got nine more. And they, he fucking took a swig of water and ran back out on the field. That's a different generation, man. You know, that's, that's You know, that's that generation is how I fell in love with the game, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, now guys fighting the field goal nets. I have turf <laughs> yeah. Yeah, turf toe. Yeah, they, proposing to the field yeah, goal. Guys, that's yeah. how I feel when people are like, "Oh, he's got a high ankle sprain. He's got a what? It's it's a sprain. It's not broken." Get your ass on the field. Speaking from personal experience, high ankle sprains can actually be worse than a break. That actually is what ended up happening. To my yeah, right. Game. Yes, I remember low ankle sprain. Not necessarily, but when you torque it at such a, a just, rate that I was just trying to pick one that was 
Oh, you picked the okay. wrong one. Oh, okay. That's not soft. That's oh, not soft. Okay. Let's, you know, maybe like, I don't know, a hip pointer or something like that. Oh, they, yeah, Let's well, talk yeah. about a hip pointer or <laughs> tennis elbow or something like that. Like, hey, that's tennis something elbow that sucks. So, Joshua, why do you have tennis elbow? You don't play tennis. So why do you have tennis elbow? Why do I have it now? You, you drop the elbow yeah. and you throw it? Yeah. Why do, you, why do you have tennis elbow at this point? At this exact moment? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Oh, right now. Yeah. I arm wrestle. What are you doing? I arm wrestle. Okay, how do you how how'd you get into that? So let's just set the stage. I don't play football anymore. Right, you're, you're not playing football. You're uh, 30 years old. 29. Right. Let's the spades. I ain't hit 30. Spades yet, is so. a spade. You're you're, no. you're 30. <laughs> uh, you're 30. Semi pro football is in the rear view for you. Yep. Being a guy that we know you are, you still have those competitive juices. Arm wrestling. How'd you get into it? A video popped up across my Facebook. Uh, Was it of over the top? No, it was not. Um, it, it was a uh, Devin Lorette, just the way that the intensity in his face. Uh, he also, at one point, uh, held the the best uh, right and left arm in the world title. And he's 6'3", 202 pounds or something. So that's nothing incredible to really look at. But it was like, I could do that. And so I, uh, I put a thing out on Facebook asking if... Uh, there were like teams or tournaments in the area, and I just happened to find uh, one guy who happens to live in East Lake, and he's like, "Oh yeah, there's a tournament this weekend. You should totally come out, see what you can do." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, all right." So first time out. This is what was the sponsorship on that again? It's Powerhouse Powerhouse Arm Wrestling. You show up to this Powerhouse Arm Wrestling event. Mm-hmm. It's your first one. First one. Another common theme. This kind of goes along the lines of that tryout with the Marine Raiders. Yeah. Never been there. Never done it. Aside from drunken arm wrestling matches with your friends at your house. Yep. That pissed me off all the time because I was always afraid you were going to break your arm so you couldn't play quarterback anymore. But I knew it was a hobby. (laughs) So you show up to uh, this powerhouse arm wrestling event. First time. Mm -hmm. And you walked away with two pieces of hardware? Two. So explain that. Best overall left hand, uh, under 198 pounds. And uh, for our listeners, again, which arm do you throw with? Right. <laughs> do you do anything with your left hand? No. And you beat the entire field with your left hand? Correct. That's that's Josh, man. <laughs> There's no other way to, 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 to call that. No experience on that. The one you did you drink the night before? Probably. No, I, I was probably. No, uh, I had to be a. I had to be up, and then I had to drive down. It was the first time I was meeting them, so I wanted to make a good impression. How these guys forget throw. the professional football yeah. league. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I met I met the guy, and literally the the main person who actually has taught me a lot with the top role and stuff like that, because I've always been just a a hook. Guy. So top role for our listeners. That's the uh, the movie over the top. Yes. The the, te- it is the where, technique it is where. In the movie, Sylvester Stallone worked his grip up higher to your thumb, and then you peel back the thumb and roll it over top of his wrist. Because what happens when you gain control of the thumb in an arm wrestling match? You win. You control the match. I got first overall with my left hand. Uh, and the second piece of hardware? I got second place overall with my right hand. 
this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, the the kid who beat me, uh, I'll actually see on July 6th, the next tournament that I'm going to. You got to plug it now. Uh, Where at? What time? It's at Rafferty's Bar. Uh, it's at noon again uh, on July 6th. Uh, this is like going to be like the biggest one. It's 30, it's $30 a pull for each arm. So if you're going to want to run your right arm, uh, it's 30 bucks. Same thing with your left hand. Uh, I'm actually thinking I'm, I might might get my dad to actually fly down to uh, try and run his arm too. That's interesting, man. So it's got a, a semi-pro feel to it. Uh, you know, you have to you kind of pay your way. Yeah. Uh, you pay your way. And you, and is there a prize or anything? Yeah. Uh, this one is the SummerSlam is what this is. And uh, we'll actually get a few of the, the World Arm Wrestling League down here. The WAL will have some professionals at this one also. This is pretty cool. Um, man. So this is his uh, platform to m- move up to the professional ranking, uh, you know, of arm wrestling. Which, uh, this badass. Is like, don't go drinking the so night. Maybe you should drink the night before. So this is literally the semi-pro of, of arm yeah. wrestling because um, now he's going for qualifying to, you know, make it. Let pro. me put it to you this way: I actually, I, I never trained really like our throwing sessions. Uh, I built a table at work. Uh, I hooked a rope up to a five-gallon bucket of hydraulic fluid, and I curl it with my wrist to practice top rolling. I pick up a 20-pound sledgehammer, and I carry it around with me at work and just roll my wrist around with it. Are you afraid of having one giant forearm? No, I do it with both, I do it with both hands. I do it with both. Uh, but for aesthetic reasons? <laughs> no, I, I, got, I got... He's already got Popeye forearms as it is. So. I, got, I have a ridiculous... Uh, strength. I had to do a stress test at my last job, and during the stress test, when you go to a doctor's office, they make you just squeeze this machine to see how much pressure you have in each hand. And my left hand, I can squeeze 175 pounds, and my right hand, I squeeze 185. I'm probably gonna butcher this word, but are you ampidextrous? Is it? No, you, you, you got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, uh, they. The best way to describe it is, you just go went grocery shopping when you come home. Your left hand holds the groceries. The right hand opens right. the door. You're absolutely right. I, so, I stack, and I, and I always wonder that. I, I actually do the, the yeah. all on my wrist and carry them. Yeah, so your, your left arm is actually normally a lot stronger. I like my grip, though. When I go to grab, so even if I throw something, it's just yeah. it's ginger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's ginger. Uh, it's, way, it's way better. Uh, a gingerly grip. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. So to do that quick, though, the kid who beat me with my right hand, his dad is a five-time international right-hand champion. As Marty Roberts. That's his dad. And so he's been, like, bred into this. He has, like, perfect technique. And it's, you're going to get you're gonna get your rematch. This is going to be, like, my super match for myself in my own head because it's not an unknown thing. It's just more or less me. I kick his ass. <laughs> so for those of us that have seen the movie Over the Top, which, if you haven't, you know, you're probably listening what you, to the wrong podcast. What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing if you haven't seen Over the Top? Explain to the listeners how you prepare for your arm wrestling matches. In in which way? In how you become the arm wrestler. I don't turn my hat around. Yes, I don't you do. Turn the switch. Yes, you do. <laughs> we talked about this. Uh, you know, it's just uh, when I turn the switch. When I turn my hat around, it's like a switch. I, I turn into an animal. Yeah. The incredible Josh. <laughs> so flipping the hat around makes you a completely different yeah. person. Yeah, it's, it's, as soon as you step up to the table, it completely changes who you are. Because 
now you have to look at it as you're you are there to tear that other person's arm off of their body. I can see that. There is no. My dad said it the best. He when he used to do it, he would literally in his mind imagine that person across the table was trying to take me, and he had to tear his arm off to keep me there. So it's uh, going to be my well, new. All right. Yeah. It's going to be my new thing in my head. I'm gonna get rid yeah. Of mine it. wasn't as graphic, but it was more of a uh, a peaceful thing, man. When I, I every game, every even to this day. Uh, when I get to a field, I go to the end zone, and I step one foot at a time on the field, touch the grass, and kind of just get a feel for the field. You step to the table. Yeah. I can see that. I was That's like the his, exact uh, opposite for that, football. That's like his Ray Lewis moment. Yeah, it honestly yeah. is. Yeah. I, I had crazy hard rock music playing. <laughs> I would be like on the side, like smacking myself. Like, I'd do push-ups. Like you're like, oh, I'm just gonna calm down, and I'm it's it's hyping myself up. It's like you know you you've got the whole gladiator warrior type of mentality. For me, it's I'm getting into the mindset. I'm I'm throwing away everything I just got through doing prior this Saturday, whatever it is, because it's it's normal life dealing with the wife and kids or whatever the case is. Throw all that away, one foot at a time. I'm on the field, you know, and I touch it and become part of it. Then I go out and ball out. It's <laughs> pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's way cooler than me. No, I'm saying I, 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 I don't know, man. Kind of, I see it the same way, actually. Yeah. I don't know your take on uh, arm wrestling and stepping up to the table and becoming a different person and shit. That was pretty deep too. Yeah, that's it was exactly. also it was also pretty scary. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> becoming an animal that's going to tear no, that guy's so. arm off. Uh, I think that's probably that's the way that I felt with football when you know when we first started the chaos when we moved into the te- the septicons. That was how I felt. That's that's what kept me there. That was my drive going into it. And then I just slowly lost that passion over time. And it wasn't the same. You know, arm wrestling, arm wrestling is my new 19-year-old Josh playing football. It's really awesome. Well, this has been a pretty awesome first podcast. You were definitely at the top of my list. I'm glad that we were able to knock this out so soon. Because, you know, in my book, the two MVPs are sitting right here in the room with me. So I'll wait till he hears that. <laughs> this uh, is gonna be my new ringtone. I'm gonna gonna chop it out of there. So, <laughs> so we're gonna wrap it up here. You know, moving forward, you can expect a new episode of Semi Pro once a week, and we'll keep it coming for you with some good topics and some good guests. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy the next episode. For Josh and Damo, I'm Casey signing out of Semi Pro inside the locker room. <laughs>